T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Look, I think the best phrase is simple. It ain't working. The Mark Reardon Show. All of this woke world that we're living in right now is not working. Why are you guys bullying me? Mark Reardon. See, presidents can't do much. I'm done. Do what you want. Pull the plug. This is the Mark Reardon Show. Good afternoon. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Mark Reardon Show. A nice sunny day in St. Louis as we get going here for the Mad Dash to Christmas, right? Because now we are in the month of December. I guess officially we were there last week, and I understand that. But we are, it doesn't kind of feel like we're on the fast track now to, it does. to Christmas. You're so right, because you get on it, and then poof, it's over. Right. Yeah, the, that's Because true. I was, I, I actually sometimes have to remind myself how much time is left in the months and everything. I looked at the calendar today. And I know that you are taking, and, and this is, I think, important to talk about because everybody, let's face it, I don't care what you do, you're, you're probably taking some time off for the holidays. I uh, mean, sure. I know some people can't sure. and they get seasonal jobs and things like that, but you get to the month of December, especially around Thanksgiving, and everyone sort of shifts to a certain extent into holiday mode, right? Yep, so true. I'm looking at the calendar because here we are December 5th and next week, I think you're gone all next week, right? I am, yes. The following week, I will be here for a couple of days and then taking up three days leading up to Christmas and, and that's just in two weeks. So it's going to be here before you know it. We're going to get you through. we got a lot of fun stuff planned for the next few weeks. We have a lot of fun stuff planned for today. Daniel Flynn from the American Spectator is going to join us about some of the um, the Twitter stuff. State rep, soon to be State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman will be here. Kusumano drops by. Our friend Kenny Wallace. So a full show here for a Monday. But I have to start with where we left on Friday because, as you might remember, as we were wrapping up the show, right before I went into audio cut of the day, this story started dropping from Matt Taibbi. On Twitter. Uh, They're calling it the Twitter Files. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like I've been a little bit ahead of the curve on this because I've been citing Matt Taibbi for months and months now because he's had this, you know, just change of heart when it comes to the media. And this is not something that happened in the past six months. Matt Taibbi's kind of been pointed that way. But he is a liberal journalist. He's by no means, you know, a conservative, but he's also a reporter who, and he's made this clear, you know, calls it like he sees it, or at least that's what he says. In other words, it doesn't matter who he's helping with his reporting or who he's hurting. He's going to report the facts. Now, one of the best things about what's happening with the Twitter files is the reaction on CNN and elsewhere, because they don't even know. 
I guess they don't really think they need to respond or they want to spin it in a way here that leaves their viewers thinking that there was nothing to see here, right? So let me give you an example. This is how CNN played the story off over the weekend. So they weren't released to the public so everyone could see exactly what this was. But this, these are documents related to the internal discussions at Twitter in 2020 around a laptop that was found at a uh, laptop repair, repair shop. shop that contained all kinds of really outrageous stuff from the president, now president's son, right? And inside Twitter, what you can see are all of these people who work there saying, is this real? This feels like Russian disinformation. Maybe it is real. Real arguments about how they should treat this material in an election year. Now, what some want you to think is that this was censorship by big tech. Oh, this is my favorite. Some, some want you to think this was censorship by big tech, right? So she goes on here. And that's why the president is saying you should throw out the Constitution because big tech is in cahoots with American democracy. That's what the president thinks. All right, let me let me clarify that. When she says the president, she's talking about Trump, Trump. okay? She's not talking about Biden. And um, I'm going to say one thing about the former president today and, and that whole thing about blowing up the Constitution. That's about the dumbest thing. He said a lot of dumb things. That's ridiculous. And if more credibility isn't stripped from Trump, and I know some of you love him, right? But do you love the Constitution more? What do you love more? The United States as a country, the Constitution, or the guy that thinks we should blow up the Constitution? All right, I'll stop there. So they go on here. But what it sort of shows is a real struggle at an important platform for how to deal with something so outrageous, so explosive, and and what to actually do with it. All right, so what she's saying here, this is how CNN is spinning it. They say, you know, the folks at Twitter were handed uh, a really crazy story about Hunter Biden and the laptop, and it seems so nuts. And here we are in the middle of a presidential campaign, or really about to elect the next president. It's a real tight race, obviously. you got Trump and Biden going at one another. And Twitter is faced with this dilemma. Do we let this information get out there, or we think it's kind of funny business? There's no way this can be true, so we're going to do something here to make sure that the election is not affected just weeks before. Uh, what Pointer said, which is a media watchdog group, they said, um, file this one under, file the Twitter files under M for meh. And the Washington Post said there are no, no smoking gun here. We've known a lot of this, that Twitter really struggled with how to handle this explosive story that was published in the New York Post. All right. So basically the spin from CNN is they did everything they can. Really, they were trying to do their best here to protect people from misinformation. This went on with Jim Shuto, too. Also because they couldn't verify a lot of exactly. it at the time, which was a major issue. Exactly. The Christine, verify. the essential argument here from, from Musk and, and Taibbi, if you read this thread, is that there was undue political influence that folks connected to then-candidate Biden uh, were pushing Twitter to remove this for political reasons. Which is exactly what happened. Right. Uh, it, to, to help with the 2020 election. Is there any evidence of that? So what you see in these files are Republicans and Democrats at times going to Twitter and saying, hey, we don't know if this is true. Hey, you shouldn't elevate this or this. There were both parties, although more Democrats than Republicans from what we've seen in this thread. All right. So let's address that. Well, let's localize this just a little bit. Let's say it's the St. Louis Post-Dispatch because this happens on a daily basis. You'll have coverage from political candidates, Sam Page and Mark Montavani or Jane Duker, whoever the candidates might be, Governor Parson, I don't care what it is. And those campaigns will regularly, or the people connected with public officials, will regularly get with editors at a newspaper and say, look, you know, we don't think this is fair. They're making their case, right? Hmm. That's fine. That's, that's fair to do. 
That's not what's at stake here. That's not what the issue is. The issue is, and this is why I use the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, if Republicans complain to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch about issues and Democrats complain to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, <clears throat> you can read this Twitter, about the same issues, who's going to win that in this media landscape? Let me Where say- are the young Woke reporters and editors at the Post-Dispatch going to kind of spin their wheels on that. Really? They're going to favor the conservatives. They're going to do the right thing right down the middle. Yes, we have concerns about both parties and we want to do the right thing, especially at big tech with a bunch of 23-year-old, you know, nose ring wearing woke people who don't even know what gender they are. You think they're going to side with the right decision here? No, they are not. But both parties would go and say, hey, this isn't fair. This is tilting the scale. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation on this platform, and we don't like this or we don't like that. So this, again, shows the struggle, I think, Twitter had at the time to being a a real arbiter of real information. We know that all of the social media sites have had a difficulty with that. You know, Elon Musk is is teasing, I guess, that there's going to be even more that will be coming from these so-called Twitter files via to E.B., this this writer who um, has disdained, frankly, the mainstream media. Oh, yeah, uh, let's tell you, he, they want to give him no credit whatsoever. He, he's disdained. Yeah, he's got an issue because your profession is embarrassing right now. It's embarrassing all around. And Glenn Greenwald, who, by the way, is at The Washington Post, said CNN's news story on the Taibbi reporting has to be read to be believed. It reads like the rantings of any resistance maniac. Any conservative, hashtag resistance maniac, any conservative who thinks CNN changed because they fired a couple of blatant Dems is fooling themselves. By the way, I never thought that they would change at all. I think they're just scaling back on, you know, payroll, et cetera. One of the worst parts, he said, of the CNN piece is it cites the belief of Twitter execs and former intelligence officials, intelligence officials, that Biden's docs were a Russian hack and a leak operation without mentioning that this was a lie, a lie repeated by CNN. Twitter knew that it had no evidence, right? Now, he cites the New York Times. uh, They do a piece about this. And Greenwald says that article is not great. But if you put it next to the CNN rant, you'll see immediately how CNN, like NBC, has a horde of reporters, quote unquote, who are identical to DNC operatives and hashtag resistance fanatics and report just like them. And, you know, that was a news story. What you were hearing there was a breakdown of what they wrote in their piece on the air. And even if it was just an op ed written by one of the most loyal DNC partisans. Glenn Greenwald says it would still be outrageous given its resuscitation of the lie that the Biden docs could have been Russian. That's that's um, not a news story, right? So Musk gets involved here on the Taibbi front because they're going to rip him and say, oh, he's just this fringe guy. Elon Musk went to him. Elon Musk went to a big lefty journalist who just cares about the quality of reporting and facts. Well, I think uh, those people should be looking in the mirror and wondering why they were deceptive. Uh, why did they deceive the American public? And and instead of trying to redirect blame to Matt Taibbi, they should be accepting some responsibility themselves for not being truthful to the American public. Yeah. Now, you want to talk about collusion? You know, we heard a lot about Russian collusion, right, leading up to the 2020 election. And the 2016 election. How about Democrat collusion? Clearly, if, if, if Twitter is doing one team's bidding before an election, shutting down dissenting voices um, on a pivotal election, that is the very definition of election interference. I and mean, what the hell else would you? Of course. It's like, yes. 
it's so obvious. It's unbelievable that, well, maybe it's not, of that the CNNs and others are trying to spin on this. And why is the mainstream media ignoring this? Why are they saying, meh, nothing to see here? Trying to turn it into a nothing burger because they were complicit in deceiving the American public. Um, and so rather than admit that they, they lied to the public, they're trying to pretend that this is a nothing burger. All right. And that's, I think, exactly right. We're just going to put all the information out there try to get a clean slate to provide the most truthful, accurate, and timely uh, information to the people. Twitter was acting like an arm of the Democratic National Committee. It was absurd. I think there will be more smoking guns, because the obvious next question is, well, what happened after the election? Yeah, I think there's going to be more information. Good for Matt Taibbi, good for Elon Musk, trusting Matt Taibbi with the information, and not the mainstream media, because those are the last people that you would turn to right now. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Daniel Flynn, who's a senior editor at the American Spectator, wrote a piece about how Apple and China want to delete apps on your phone. We'll tie it into the Twitter stuff. State rep, soon to be state senator, Mary Elizabeth Coleman, coming up a little bit later. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Sue, remember when we did the uh, the broadcast at Rock and Brews about five or six weeks ago? Oh, was it that long ago? Yeah, Man, vividly, yes. What, uh, remember, Amir came by. Amir Hezek, who is retired gunnery sergeant with the United States Marine Corps, and he's been a good friend of the program. He's going to come in the studio to talk about the latest with Russia and Ukraine. And I think that's going to be a fascinating conversation. So I went to the pageant last night. I have to throw this in. I saw the band Foles, outstanding. But I took an Uber home from University City. And my Uber driver, for the first, I don't know, seven minutes of the ride, we were pretty quiet. But I noticed he had an accent. And I said, you know, I, I, I was in the mood to be chatty. I said, where are you from? He's from Russia. Ooh, wow. And we had a 20-minute conversation that was very interesting huh. about this war. And he's not necessarily on the side of the Ukraines. Now, he is Russian, but he did offer say. me, he did offer some interesting perspectives. So oh, we'll, I look forward to hearing yeah, that, we'll, we'll talk. I mean, I, honest to God, I should have probably asked the guy, I said, will you come on with Amir tomorrow? Because yeah. I think it could have been an interesting conversation. But interesting. I told him I'd be talking about it today, so maybe if you're listening, Uber driver, I can't remember what his name did was. Did he say something that you thought, oh, okay. I mean, did he make good points? He did. I mean, look, he, he, he had an analogy of, 
think about if some of this stuff was happening in Mexico and the uh, you know the tables were turned. Now the difference here is that the uh, the, the former Soviet Union is a dictatorship and there's not <laughs> right. a lot of freedom there. So I wasn't going to push back with the Uber guy last night too much because I didn't want to get kicked out of the well, car. I wanted to get home. I understand. I, I'm not going to tell you that I agreed with everything he said, but I did think that he made some interesting points, and we'll get to that here in the next hour. Daniel Flynn is with us this afternoon. He's back with us, senior editor at the American Spectator, the author of Cult City, Harvey Milk, Jim Jones, and 10 Days that Shook San Francisco. You might remember we had him on for that. But you wrote a piece, Dan, you wrote a piece about all this Twitter stuff and everything that's happening with Apple and the, the Chinese as well. How are you this afternoon? Outstanding. Let me play this just because I haven't heard it yet. This is KJP in the briefing room just a few moments ago being asked about some of this stuff. We see this as a, a an interesting or a coincidence, if I may, that uh, uh, that he would so haphazardly, uh, Twitter would so haphazardly push this distraction. Uh, that is a that is a full of uh, old news, if you think about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, Twitter is facing very real and very serious questions uh, about the rising volume of anger, hate, and anti-Semitism on their platform, and uh, how they're letting it happen. And, uh, you know, the president said last week, more leaders need to speak out and reject this. And uh, it's very alarming and very dangerous. So that's some great, Daniel, that's some pretty good spin there from Karine Jean-Pierre. Basically, it is, it's less important that they basically interfered in a United States election, the folks at Twitter, the woke folks at Twitter, than it is, you know... Right now, when you have a guy that's trying to expose some of this stuff, I'm I'm stunned by it. I don't know what your reaction is overall. I'm not stunned by it because it's the template. It's the playbook. It if, right. if you look at uh, from 2016, when, you know, we found out from um, from Durham's probe and from from the inspector general that there was all sorts of shenanigans going on within the Justice Department um, in order to sort of fabricate this Russian collusion hoax. By the time it all came out, it was old news. Who cares about that? And so the media justifies not covering that by saying it's old news. Here we have the same scenario where you had Twitter uh, taking sides in an election. Um, and now we find out that uh, they did this and the White House dismisses it as old news. What's remarkable to me is we do have a company, Apple, that has been interfering with free speech in China when there's, where there's people protesting in China. And they have taken the side of the communist Chinese government. The White House's response to this is not to say, hey, this is un-American. This is, this is uh, despicable what you're doing, big tech. Instead, they don't, they, don't go after, they don't go after Apple. They go after Twitter, who's trying to, you know, with Elon Musk, the, the Elon Musk Twitter is trying to, uh, you know, reestablish free speech or some type of modicum of free speech on social media that was really missing in the, in the 2020 election. So one of the I think one of the more important issues here, and this is what we need to come, you know, Elon Musk, Twitter, the uh, you know, the folks that held back this information. That's one part of the story. And I think it is an important part. But to your point, Daniel, this is their template. Right. I've been talking about media bias since uh, the 1990s, especially when Bernie Goldberg, my friend Bernie Goldberg, left CBS and wrote a book called Bias about, you know, what was happening in the mainstream media. So this has been going on for a long time. I know it because I've been exposed to it. I've worked with a lot of these folks, so I probably know it better than than most folks. But in this particular situation, you have the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Justice Department, that is directly involved with some of this stuff. Yeah, and that's that's the frightening thing, that they went out and gave these warnings to Facebook and Twitter saying that there's going to be some Russian disinformation coming. You know, you better keep your eye out uh, for it. 
and as a result of that, almost immediately thereafter, this this story broke with regard to uh, Hunter Biden and his laptop. And so they didn't directly say to them, suppress the story. But it gets kind of um, it gets a little bit shady where you have an arm of the federal government essentially running interference for the, the Biden campaign. Um, knowingly, wittingly or unwittingly, I'm, I'm not sure if they you know, if this was deliberate. But the fact that you had all of these ex um, deep state people, all of these guys like Clapper um, that came out and signed this document saying that it had all the earmarks of Russian disinformation, that the, the Hunter laptop story um, that connected with what the FBI did. It just makes you wonder uh, about them. And it may, you know, you go back to 2016 and the FBI's involvement in all this with Peter Strzok and uh, Page right. and all of these these people. And so there does seem to be some, you know, there's 35,000 FBI agents. I'm sure, you know, I know some of them. I'm sure, they're, they're great people. I used to uh, interview James Calstrom all the time. He's a, he was a great guy. Um, and so you can't, you can't condemn the entire bureau, but there's some rotten apples in every bunch. And there seems to be a lot of rotten apples um, with regard to the FBI these days. And that's, that's just a shame. So, and, and, and could I add to that one thing? Yeah, absolutely. We're, one of the amazing things about that IG report from the Russian collusion and from the Hillary emails that came out a few years ago is they made a recommendation that there was a weird thing going on where the FBI was assigning all of the same people to all of the high profile political cases. And they said, you know, we you should stop doing this. And so what did we see with with the Trump investigation down in uh, down in Florida? Gee, it was all a lot of the same same characters. So they didn't follow with the with the IG asked them to do. And that's very curious to me that they have the same people on these high-profile political cases. Why is that? Well, that's a very good question. I mean, you, you can come up with an answer that sort of makes sense. And you would think that just from the standpoint of transparency, they would kind of want to mix it up there. But obviously, they, they felt otherwise. How serious do you think, because Musk even pointed this out, the threat from Apple to ban Twitter from the App Store? Well, they already did it, right? Did they do it with Parler or Gab or whoever they did it with already? Um, that when, when there was a challenge to the old school Twitter, all of the, 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 the left wing big tech people sort of banded together and, um, and kicked them off. Now, could they do that to, to Musk's Twitter? That would be highly unpopular because there's all sorts of people using Twitter. I think I'm probably the last person that's not. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it's, it's frightening because, you know, I, I wrote in the article that the, the federal government used to take these things seriously, particularly with regard to communications. And it used to be the case that there were a few different radio networks, and they thought NBC was getting too powerful. And so they forced the blue network and the red network to split. And voila, you have ABC. That's how we have the ABC, you know, American Broadcasting Corporation. It used to be part of NBC. The federal government made NBC split, and that's how we got ABC. You can look at Ma Bell and the telephone companies. And so it's not just in cases like Standard Oil, where the government doesn't want monopolies or, you know, huge control. But especially with regard to communications, if you have one or two companies controlling, um, you know, the, 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 the flow of information, that's really dangerous. That is really dangerous. And that, that to me, that worries me about Apple and, and Google if they were to take away um, Twitter from, from the App Store. You know, all of a sudden, if just Apple did that, there'd be 1.5 billion users on Earth that wouldn't be able to get Twitter uh, you know, that had have Apple, Apple well, device. Talk about suppressing free speech. I mean, that would be the very, that would be the very definition of it. That, that's right. And they're doing that in China right now. They're working hand in glove with, with the Chinese government. So why wouldn't they do that here? I don't know, particularly when you have a, you know, a government, this KSP, uh, or, I, I get our initialism. KJP, uh, yeah. KJP. <laughs> 
you know, the other day saying, I mean, you played that, that a moment ago, but the other day saying she's, she's monitoring. Oh, I know. Yeah, we hit on that last eye. week. What the hell is that about, right? You know, I was just going to say, like, what, what, what kind of a government, when you have a First Amendment, says we're keeping an eye on them, we're keeping a close eye? And she says that, that the, the industry needs to take action against misinformation and hate. Well, we already know what they think is misinformation. With regard to the Hunter Lapstop story, they think truth is misinformation. So I don't think we can defer to them to, to judge what's hate and what's misinformation. That's a really slippery slope, and it's, it's very dangerous because they often judge what is not in their political interest as well, of misinformation. Course. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, maybe a good example of that, I have to pull this up right now since you're not on Twitter. Kyle Rittenhouse tweeted something. You know, obviously he, he made a lot of news from uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin a couple of years ago, but he pointed out that on um, – Twitter, there were people who, and he put screen captures, I'm trying to find it right now, of people who made death threats, blue check people on Twitter that made death threats to him that weren't pulled down from the folks at Twitter a couple of years ago. So, you know, this is pretty important involving the FBI and the election, but it's also important related to all these other issues if they spike them, I think. I, I definitely think so. I mean, if you think of this woman, um, Megan, um, I forget her name, but she's a Canadian feminist who who tweeted that men aren't women, and they took her, they took her down uh, from Twitter. Now, she's gotten her account back under Megan Murphy. She's gotten her account back under Elon Musk. But this is not a, some right-wing crackpot or something. This is a woman who calls herself a socialist and a feminist. And because she tweeted men aren't women, um, and she tweeted other things to that effect, they took away her account. That's outrageous. Now, it, it is utterly there, – there's nothing that makes me more mad than stuff like that. And here's the problem, Daniel, as you know, because of the cabal that the mainstream media has, even in the aftermath of the Twitter files with Taibbi, they're writing him off as some kook. Most people probably don't even know that Matt Taibbi is by far not a conservative. He's a lefty, right? And they're just saying nothing to see here. Matt, if they're all on the same page, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, with all this anyway, most people aren't going to think there is anything here, just the same way that they covered it up in the first place. Well, you know, the funny thing is, is that they're 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 creating new enemies, which is, you know, it's not a good, good idea in politics to go by subtraction. You want to do addition. You want to do multiplication. You don't want to do division and subtraction. I mean, you point out this guy, Matt Taibbi. I used to remember him writing for Rolling Stone. Yeah. And on climate change all the time. <laughs> climate change. But also he used to write about Russia. And I, I recall one time he said that the worst Russian leader of the last hundred years was by far Boris Yeltsin. And I thought, well, gee, I can think of another couple guys that were worse than him. (laughs) And so it wasn't that this guy was just like a a mainline liberal. He was far out there. Yeah, he was. He's on our side. Now Glenn Greenwald's on our side. How did the world get like that when people like that are all of a sudden, um, you know, who are very left wing? I mean, Joe Rogan is a very left wing guy, but now. Bill Maher. Look, you can put Bill Maher into that camp, too. And I don't think they're on our side necessarily. They're just saying enough is enough. They can't sell their souls anymore. Taibbi basically laid it out last week when he was talking about some of the stuff. Uh, You did this debate and I highlighted this even before the Twitter files came out on Wednesday. I was talking about these monk debates that he did in Toronto on whether or not the uh, mainstream media has officially, you know, died. And his case was in the monk debates, which is something they do in Toronto every year. Yes, in fact, they did. So I highlighted that. I've been talking about Matt Taibbi for a while. I thought it was interesting that Elon Musk trusted him because he's seen that Taibbi basically has said, look, you can't you cannot trust the New York Times and the CNNs of the world. He'll throw Fox under the bus as well. He's not necessarily taking their side in everything. But this trust in the media is gone and probably not coming back, which is pretty sad. 
I, the strange thing about it is that, um, and I don't think the people, the journalists realize that, but the more aggressive they become, the more um, blatant they are in their, their um, bashing of conservatives, the less credibility they have because the public just sees them as partisan. So whatever is coming out of their mouth, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Even when they say things that are true, there's going to be distrust um, from conservatives. And not just conservatives, but just mainline people, because they, you know, consider the source. If Don Lemon is saying to you something on on television, you're not necessarily going to treat it the way you would have treated maybe Walter Cronkite or I something like not. that. Yeah, I hope not. I still think a good portion of the CNN audience and the MSNBC audience, and look, the Fox audience does the same thing too. We we go to where we're comfortable, unfortunately. Daniel Flynn, great stuff. I appreciate coming back on here, 97.1 FM Talk in St. Louis. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Rebecca Reardon shot me a traffic note, Sue Thomas. I shared it with you, and this I might love affect it. some folks out there in West County, right? Yeah, it's an accident. It looks like it's southbound 141 approaching Vance Road, but there's a jam northbound as well, and that goes back really to 44. So some slow-moving traffic there. Once you get north of Vance, things look a little bit better. Awesome. We'll keep you posted on that. We are joined by State Senator-elect. I can't call her state rep anymore, I guess. State Senator-elect sounds pretty important. Mary Elizabeth Coleman, she's a veteran of the roundtable. She represents a good portion of Jefferson County. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. I 55 South out of downtown is also a little jammed up. Uh, so we hit I that. just drove through there, and it's rough. We hit that earlier. It's because you're down to one lane. They took one lane down in the road work area, so only one lane is getting by south of Broadway. It's great. Thank yeah. you for the Happy updates, Monday. though. We're getting, yeah, we're getting all <laughs> kinds of updates here. It is kind of a nice day, though, so enjoy that. So we are getting real close here to you becoming a state senator. We had Nick Shore on the roundtable on Friday, so you're basically laying out some legislative priorities. So let's talk about that. You in particular— and you do these things called, and, and you can kind of describe the minutiae here, but there's pre-filing of legislation that goes on in the month of December with intention to, you know, get these bills to the floor and hopefully to the governor's desk next year, right? That's right. So I think, Ms. really, Republicans don't do a great job often of explaining why the ideas that we have are going to help the actual taxpayers. I think we can sometimes get a little bit stuck in our talking points or we can kind of work on things that seem like a really big deal in the Capitol building. But if you told, you know, people at soccer practice or I guess now basketball season, that like, you know, who cares, right? It doesn't seem to make much of a difference in their lives. And so my first set of uh, initiatives I'm going to be working on in the Senate are things that are, you know, the kind of thing that would really make an impact on working families. Well, let, let's start with the um, SP-161 where that would eliminate the state sales tax on groceries. Now, I'm a little confused by that. I thought that we don't pay sales tax on, on some grocery items. Yeah, so we have some tax. There's It's kind of confusing because there's a constitutional um, provision that says you can't tax necessities. But then back in the early, mid-'90s, there was a Prop C language that got passed that put a 1% sales tax on grocery items at the state level. And then there's some local taxes also. So what this is doing is trying to eliminate the 1% sales tax. I worked on it in the House. I'll continue to work on it. My hope is that we can get BLTs passed. Those are video lottery terminals that would offset the revenue that that particular tax is funding for our schools. So I don't want to short our schools any money, but I do want to make sure that everything is more expensive. And I find it offensive that we're having to tax 
necessities that are food items. I mean, yeah, this that, is not a luxury. See, again, I, I didn't even think that that was, was going on. I knew that some of the things that, like, if you go to Target, I think you're taxed on some things but not taxed on other things, depending on what you buy, grocery versus other supplies. But the, the deal with that, though, is um, you said the vid- video lottery terminals. Are those the things that aren't legal now that people have in the stores that can't be cracked down on? Or is that something different? Because I still get confused by that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. So we've got right now, really all across Missouri, there are things that people call gray machines. And they're called gray because it's not black or white if they're allowed or not. So the pe- <laughs> proponents who manufacture them and set them up say, hey, that's not really gambling because if you push a certain button, you're able to tell what the outcome is going to be before you bet. And so they're everywhere. I mean, they just have really proliferated. And people want to play them, and they are doing it. And so there's been a Denny, – Senator Denny Hoskins has been working since he was even in the House. He's starting, I think, his seventh year in the Senate. Um, so he filed Senate Bill 1, which is to say, listen, enough of this. we got to regulate this like all other gambling. We want to make sure that it's fair and that there's tax revenue being paid on it. And yeah. so – well, that seems like a smart Let's approach, if they're, especially if they're everywhere. And they are everywhere. I even had some that went in the fast lane at 141 and 44. I saw like <laughs> three guys. There was a lawn crew or something a couple of months ago just, you know, spinning the wheels on those. And I had never really – I've heard of them, and I think I've seen them, you know, down south on 44. But I really hadn't seen any penetrate into the immediate, you know, area right around the 270 Beltway. And, and I guess everyone decides to take a chance on them because you can't crack down on them, right? There's nobody from the state going in saying you can't have those. Yeah, that's right. The, the, the Highway Patrol has said they're not currently going to be looking into them, and the Lottery Commission says, hey, we should really be regulating them. It's kind of a mess that people are just kicking down the road. But the upshot of it is it should bring in, if we legalize it and make sure that they're being operated fairly, 250 to $300 million in revenue um, you know, from optional behavior, and we can use that to cut taxes on things that everybody needs like groceries and so that's what i'm proposing is that the poorest of the poor aren't shouldering the benefit you know the burdens of this and if you want to bet fine let's make sure it's fair and take a take a cut of it so handicapping that issue seems like that's not a big hurdle to get to the governor's desk you would think well it seems like a priority to everybody this year but i gotta tell you senator hoskins has been working on this i think for eight or nine years and he's had significant pushback from the casinos in the past now our new senator-elect I'm sorry, Senator Pro Tem-elect, um, Caleb Browden, is a, seems to be supportive of them. Um, you know, I think that Dean Flocker, who I listened to, you had him on last week. He's the incoming Speaker of the House. I think he's on board with letting, let's get this, you know, kind of wrapped up. So, how, how, By the way, how would those be any more uh, competition for a casino than lottery tickets at a convenience store? That, that yeah, seems like a ridiculous I mean, argument. Yeah, to me, it's one of these, like, you know, somebody's trying to preserve whale oil because, it, you know, like, I don't know. I just think the market is the best. Let people do the activities All right. that they're going to do. And let's kind of play this out, though, a little bit because I don't know what your opinion is, but I'm a fan of sports wagering, and I think Missouri should have sports wagering. And there have been some attempts, but we haven't gotten that across the finish line. So will there be that momentum this session? I think so. I think most people, that most electeds that I have heard have said, we should have both. They don't necessarily say, you know, you got to pass one to pass the other. I know that was what was said last year is somebody kind of artificially tied the two together to have them be the best path across the finish line. VLT's video lottery terminals would bring in a lot more money 
to the state as far as revenue goes in sportsbook. Um, states that have legalized sportsbook have not had the revenue generation that they expected. But everybody expects that we'll do it because they're already, frankly, doing it or they're driving across. You know, right, they're Arnold going to Illinois. Exactly that far from Illinois. Or they're just sending Venmo money to a friend in Vegas, which Correct. is what I do essentially right. because I can't do it here. And really, I think people do that, right? They find a friend in Illinois and say, hey, can you place this bet for me? So everyone's kind of doing a workaround anyway. Let's talk about education. Soon to be State Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman. She's a roundtable veteran with us. What are you going to do on education with SB81? Yeah, so I think that we should have the money follow the kid. Whatever education the parent thinks is appropriate for their child, they should be able to use the state portion of that uh, to offset tuition, whether that's, you know, if you're in Festus School District and you want to go to Fox, then you should be able to do that. If you are, um, you know, want to go to St. Pius, I think that the money should follow the kid. It's really we're one of the very few countries that doesn't do that. And it's really the only government program that the services that you get are based on your home address. And so we've got failing systems. We've got parents without options. Um, and I think it's ridiculous. So let's let the dollars follow the kid. There seems to be a different tone heading into this particular session from the standpoint that we've had, you know, the Republican infighting. It's been a little bit messy on the Senate side, as you know, but there seemed to be with you and Senator Schroer and others uh, a little different I guess, approach to this session, which might make things go a little smoother. <laughs> Is that possible? Well, okay, listen, I, I never wanted to have a crystal ball, and I haven't been looking at the Senate. I've been focused on the House the last four years. But the class of people that are coming over together, uh, Senator-elect McCreary, Senator-elect Schroer, uh, Senator-elect Trent, Senator-elect Black out of the Northwest, we know each other and we like each other. And by and large, we trust each other. Now, we do not all agree on policy. We have some pretty significant disagreements on policy. But it goes a long way when you like each other and you know each other that you can negotiate in good faith and you can find the things that you do agree on. And so that's really... Well, it's human nature. It really is. Because, look, and I would I would say not that I'm trying to put this on equal playing field with what you do, but even on, you know, the roundtable, when we talk amongst each other, everyone sort of gets along. I've had this rule where if it gets nasty, those people don't get invited back. And you can have intense, passionate discussions and stand your ground on issues without, you know, being ridiculously hateful or otherwise. And if you know someone, you're, you're going to be it's just like I said, human nature that you're less likely yeah, to treat them in a right. certain way. So that'll be well, interesting. Sometimes you have like maybe not bad kids, but a bad class as a mom of many, right? Like the mix of kids doesn't work. And so you have a difficult class. I think that might have been what we saw the last two years. Not a, any bad people, but that mix of personalities just was hard yeah. to navigate. Well, that happens in a lot of things. It's chemistry, right? So sometimes the chemistry is not there. A state senator elect is going to take some practice, I think, to get that one down. Mary Elizabeth <laughs> Coleman, great to have you on. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Thanks. All right, Bye. take care. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.